All right, today we're gonna be in 1 John, and uh, we've been in this book for a little while. I really do hope that this study's been a chance for you to get to spend some time in God's Word, pages open, flipping through, letting the Spirit speak to you. That really is the point of what we wanna do, is not just for us to, to sit with some facts, but to have our lives fully transformed by the good news of Jesus. And so this good news is a story that God is doing something in time, like in our history, that he has been building on for generations past that will finally and fully come to its fulfillment, finally and fully come to its fulfillment with uh, the restoration of all things, but that moment hasn't happened yet. And so we live as people who have had good news announced and we've seen pockets and pieces of that breaking into the world right now, but have not seen the full fulfillment of that just yet. Uh, that's an act of the story waiting to happen. And so John is stacked in the Bible in a place where much of God's story has already taken place. That God created the world, human beings rebelled, he made a promise, Israel uh, tried to live into the promises they were given but failed, but God was faithful. And then he sent Jesus, his son, the Messiah, to rescue and redeem and show off what kingdom life looked like. But then Rome and the religious people killed him for it. Uh, but three days later, he rose again, bringing new creation into the right now. And God wanted to see his people uh, not just behave better, that wasn't the point of it, but that they would be filled with the spirit of himself and then lit on fire, so to speak, to be a display people for the nations, that people would see what it looks like as God's people were prophets and healers and reconcilers and lovers of their neighbors and even their enemies scattered throughout creation. That, that was what human beings were meant to be in this thing called the church. But it's confusing. And you try to figure out, how do I do that best? What does it look like to live when I have such diverse friendships? How do I continue to live into this? When we have different convictions about small things. How do we wrestle with this? Uh, when we live in a world that's divided by everything from ethnicity and race to socioeconomics to which sports team you like, all of it separates. So which political party do we align more with? It can be overwhelming. And so God's commands come into that world to give us a way to live as resurrection people right now. And I hope this book study has been helpful for that right now, not just stored away as facts for later. And so before we jump any further into this particular study, where I wanna show one of the most misinterpreted verses of 1 John and what may be the most misinterpreted verse of our present day, I want us to take a breath and look back. What from our study in John so far has been helpful for you as you follow Jesus? Everyday life, normal people, figuring out how do I follow Jesus and live in a, a family that's made up of different kinds of people who all are moving forward in what God's invited us to as the church. How do I do that? How do I live as a faithful witness? What have you learned so far in John that's helped you with that? Something that's been super helpful for me as I've looked at uh, how we're going to be following Jesus even as a family um, it was First John 3 and verse, um, verse 1 is beautiful. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that's what we are. Uh, John has put together in a very real way both the pursuit and actions that go with justice and righteousness and living a life that's right in God's world. Like that involves our activity, 
but he's also made very sure that if you're reading this book, you see that Christianity never begins with what we do for God, but it begins with what God has already done for us in Jesus. That he starts, this is what you've heard and seen from the beginning, and this is what it looks like to live that kind of life. It's not one where we just think nice thoughts, but live lives that are decidedly different because gospel events have actually happened. And, and that changes everything. And that's been this book. And he's honed in on the reality that you can't say you love God and hate his creation. And I don't know anything that's more timely for our time right now than that. We can't say we love God and our white friends, but hate our black friends. We can't say that we stand for this part of God's creation, but are against this part. John invites us into a life that says, if we say we love God and hate our neighbor, we are liars. Not God, not our neighbor, we are. And need to do battle with that. And need to wrestle with that. Uh, some of the reading that's been most helpful for me is at the end of 1 John 3, where he gives this lovely statement saying, hey, uh, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his love for life for us and that he ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Goes on to say, if anyone has any material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, man, how can the love of God even be in that person? Uh, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. And that verse has hit me hard as I've been studying John. Dear children, don't just sing about it. Don't just blog about it. Don't just YouTube about it. Don't just Instagram like the heck out of it. But actually do loving things just like Jesus who laid down his life for the church. So what does that mean? That means that I can't just repost my way to right action, but actually have to get outside, put my feet to the pavement, my voice to the air, listening ear to those that are crying out, and in love lay down maybe even some of the things I think I deserve so that I can best serve others. Man, that's good. And it resonates. But I've also heard, uh, I've also heard some verses from First John used in a way that are completely misapplying it. Yes, John has a view where we live right now, but then also have a day coming when Jesus makes it new and he reveals himself and restores creation that will take place. John's holding those both together. But. If we're not careful, we can take some of these words and apply them to situations that John wasn't talking. And here's what I mean. First uh, John 4, if you got your Bible flipped here, First John 4 and verse 17 is where I want to go. Actually, we'll go to 18 first because this is what I'm hearing. And it goes something like this. I'll be in a conversation and somebody's talking about COVID and they're, they're processing their feelings and emotions on this. And so uh, it seems to be a tension within humans. And maybe you've felt this or maybe you've had this conversation. So don't hear this as shame. John says, hey, we don't have to be ashamed. We bring it into light. Jesus is there and the community should be able to process with us and help point us to Jesus. And so that's what I want to do lovingly uh, if you have had this conversation. And if you haven't, you will and it's just helpful to know how to process these things. And so, uh, first of all, John says this. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. 
And so the conversation often goes like this. Hey, I get that you're afraid right now in COVID, but hear this. God doesn't want you to be afraid. He has perfectly loved you and that should drive out fear. So the flip side of that is if you're feeling fear, then you're not accessing the love of God that he has for you because the two can't coexist. And and I've heard this a lot. And, I, and I've heard that a lot being spoken or uh, different memes on the internet. And John's not saying that human beings shouldn't feel fear. He actually, uh, I think if I understand the gospels right, would invite you to feel your fear. God wants you to feel your fear, but he wants you to work through your worry. And we'll get to that. Feel your fear, work through your worry. But, but I need to come in here because this is the, the doorway that we're entering right now into this house is that people will say, if you're experiencing the love of God, you won't feel fear. And while that's a kernel of truth, John's not speaking to general feelings of fear that are related to situations uh, that are not, not present. In fact, he actually, the verse before, told us exactly what he meant when it came to this. Uh, verse 17 says, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears hasn't been made perfect in love. Uh, Catch this. He's talking about the final day of judgment and saying if you have experienced the awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping, life-changing love of God, then you have nothing to fear on the day of judgment. Like, you don't have to worry, have I done enough to earn right standing with God? Because that's not what it's based on. You don't have to wonder, was the sacrifice enough? Because you've experienced this jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring love of God for you. Melts your heart. You heard the voice. Those holes in your heart were made complete. The shackles fell off. You experienced that. And that's what I want for all of our Missio family, right? That we would have that experience. We are utterly aware that God's love has changed us. And I want us to have the confidence that John wanted his friends to have, that there is no fear in love because his love was more than enough to cover the breadth and depth of our sin. And so on that final day of judgment, you have absolutely nothing to fear. Man, say amen. If you were here in person, I wish you were helping me that we could be saying that is true, that is real. I affirm that. The life, death, resurrection of Jesus broke into creation, made me a new person. I experienced the love of God. And so you have nothing to fear on the day of judgment. That's what John is talking about when he says perfect love casts out fear. If you are in Christ, you have nothing to fear on the day of judgment. And then that motivates things all different. And that's what John's talking about. But the way it's been getting used and the the way I've heard it processed is, hey, if you feel fear about getting sick, man, you must not have enough faith and you must not be believing right. Uh, fear, just so you guys know, and, and I think you do in other situations, that is something God's given us to keep us uh, alive. So I like to mountain bike. Uh, it's something I enjoy doing. I like to hike. It's something I enjoy doing. 
if you would tell me don't feel fears about anything, that would drastically affect the way I ride my mountain bike and the way I hike. Because in the mountains of Arizona, in the desert pathways that I often travel, are rattlesnakes. And let me tell you something, I am afraid of rattlesnakes. I don't not go, but I am acutely aware of the reality that I am on their home turf, they are not on mine. And so I listen differently. As I ride, my eyes are open looking for rattlesnakes. If I hear that noise, I look around, I stop. My kids know if we're hiking and I say stop, they stop and start walking backwards. They don't keep going forwards because it's a very good chance there's a snake. We've seen them. But that fear is something that allows me to engage in a dangerous environment in a way that I am still alive. That is a God-given gift for our preservation. I don't think John's saying, hey, Kevin, don't be afraid of rattlesnakes. Do whatever you want to do. No worries, no fear. Get after it because, you know, God loves you and so rattlesnakes won't bite you. That's not what he's saying. And I think when Jesus talks about anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't be anxious about everything. He's speaking into something differently than just a feeling like, oh, there's danger out there. You, you can feel your fears. Uh, Jesus invites them to come to him and that he can help dispel them because he is greater than whatever would bring us to him. But here, like my child, uh, if my son Caden comes to me and he has a fear, I'm glad he came to me. I want to talk to him. I want to process that with him. Jesus wants to do the same thing. But there's a different word that I think maybe is more accurate for what we're trying to say and don't need to mismanage scripture to get there. And I want to speak this lovingly that we need to work through our worries. Uh, the difference is on the trail, I hear a rattlesnake and I respond. Fear comes up. I respond in a way that preserves and protects and enables me to go on another day. Worry, though, would be if I was laying in my bed the night before I go mountain biking, chest full of anxiety, wondering, will I encounter a snake and what would happen if I did, and recounting and playing through scenarios in my mind that might not ever happen, and letting that build up, build up, build up, where my body's feeling more and more anxious because I'm worried and giving into that time and time again. And so we can feel our fears, but we need to work through our worries, church. We need to work through those worries. We need to engage it with truth. We need to bring them to the Father and let him be present in there with us, but let him invite us into life. Our ultimate destiny is secure. That's actually what John's talking about, but our present reality needs to be shaped by that. It needs to be shaped that we don't walk through this world and our greatest hope in life is not that we're not gonna get sick. Our greatest hope in life and death is that we belong to God. And that's been stated in John. That's been stated in our missional communities. It's been stated in our DNA groups. And we need to continue to process that. So hear this. If you are worrying and you're finding yourself, your mind running through a million scenarios, I would invite you back to the words of Jesus himself. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew uh, chapter 6, 7 in there. Uh, chapter 6, he says this, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you add by worrying a single hour to your life? And so as you struggle with fear, take that to the Father. He is wanting you to bring that to Him. As you're engaging with something that's maybe then different than just fear, but it's this worry, take that to your Father as well. And then also realize He has done so many things in history to prove that He is faithful, to prove that He is there, to prove that He is present, to prove that He cares. And if we get sick, He is present in that sickness. If we stay healthy, he is preserving us in that health. But here's the hope, that we're able to lift our eyes to the Father and have that conversation with him. That if we're in communities where it's going and spiraling towards worry and groupthink towards worry, that we're able to engage that with the truths about God. And they're there. They're just not 1 John 4 verses. They're just not perfect love casts out fear. If you want to remind somebody that their faithful father has secured their eternal destiny and given them love that renews their heart, renews their mind, changes their life, and they have nothing to fear on judgment day, man, use First John. But if you're walking alongside somebody in worry, please don't quote that verse to them. Quote another one. Tell them they can feel their fears. And let's together, because of the good news of Jesus, work through those worries, affirming the reality, being present with them in the suffering, but pointing them to the faithful Father who walks with them in sickness and in health. And like a good father, will not push us away just because we have concerns, will not push us away because we're worried, will not push us away because of fear, but will welcome us into his presence. I wanna give some space uh, for you right now. And if you have a piece of paper and a pen, take that out and spend a minute. Jot down, God, here's things that I'm afraid of. Here's where I feel fear. And maybe on the other side of that paper or a different list on your phone as you pull it out, a jot down, God, here's things that are keeping me up at night that I know I need to work through in their worries. And then I'll pull you back in just a moment and we'll do our benediction together. Love you guys. As you have questions, please reach out. Welcome back. Uh, I really hope that that exercise was one where you were able to um, think through, process, and lay out some of those concerns. If you're watching this with a few other people, I would highly encourage you to say those things together and then pray over them and invite God's presence to sweep into that. His presence is what dispels worry because we see that he is safe and he is secure and he will not push us away just because we are processing. Sit with him in that. And then secondly, as you're doing this, do this with each other, fight the urge just to give good advice to each other, but maybe first give good news, be present, and then in a timely fashion, advice is okay. Uh, but we do that with a sense of what is scripture and what is advice, what is we know to be true and what do we think to be true. And so I wanna send us out this week uh, into this next section of our life 
with the affirmation that fears are okay to feel, but let's work through that worry. And so I'm gonna set us out. So Missio Mesa, I invite you to put your hands out to receive this benediction. A go now as God's dearly loved children, filled with security that on the final day, his love will be more than enough to make you right. There is nothing to fear in final judgment because Jesus has saved you. And go now into the world as humans working through your worry, knowing that the Father is present, he is filling you, and he has sent you to be a peaceful, prayerful presence among people who have no hope. Go now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week. Uh, Next week's a Scattered Sunday. Following week, we will be live streaming at 4.30.